Talk Central is brought to you by TomTom Africa, a leading international enabler of accurate location-based platforms throughout Africa, offering innovative, comprehensive, and high-quality digital maps to businesses and governments. For more information, visit tomtom.co.za slash geospatial. I'm Richard van Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 128, for the weekend starting 12 June 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like, are you getting the best claim service from your short-term insurer? <laughs> no, no advertising masquerading as editorial on Tech Central. On Talk Central this week, we talk about Telcom's jobs bloodbath. Also this week, could BlackBerry be building an Android phone and Apple finally gets into the music streaming business? We also talk, t- chat about 4K monitors, but before we get to that, we need to pay the bills. We'll be back in just a moment. The Vox Telecom Cloud is the future of business. Developed from the ground up, it's a turnkey, fully managed approach to the cloud. It offers you guaranteed support, a national network with true redundancy, fully managed services across all layers, and most importantly, a single point of accountability. The Vox Telecom Cloud. It's how cloud should be. To find out more about the Vox Telecom Cloud, SMS your name to 45454 or visit voxtelecom.co.za. Standard rate supply. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rachel? How's it, Duncan? Good. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we need to talk about telecom this week. But uh, Apple's WWDC was also a, a, a big newsmaker this week. Also a bit of a newsmaker. Yeah, yeah let's yeah, let's yeah. start with Apple, actually, because there was a lot of announcements there. Um, the obvious one, I mean, the, the big one was the announcement, the one more thing, if you like, yeah. was the announcement of <laughs> yeah. Apple's streaming music service, very late to market. Um, you use an iPhone and um, other Apple devices. Is it a product that, um, if it's launched in South Africa, you'd go for? I think so, especially because I'm, I'm I am a little bit vested into the the platform already. So mm. it, it does seem like a natural evolution. Um, it is definitely an interesting move by Apple. We know they've always been against uh, streaming. You know, Steve Jobs um, has famously always been against you know streaming music. It's it's been about buying the albums uh, on iTunes. Yeah. Um, so it was good to see them actually catching up with the rest of the industry and and. And providing a service based on their massive uh, music library that they have already, um, I'm quite keen to see it. Yeah, yeah. And um, they, they also announced a global radio station called Beats One. Um, interesting move. Yeah, and we can see now where the, the acquisition is coming in. Um, of Beats. Of Beats, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is all about This is all about repackaging that Beats Exactly, yeah. exactly. And what was strong for, for the Beats uh, service offering was the cur- curated music playlist. I think that's going to be a nice fit for the Apple music streaming service. Mm. Um, one of the other things I liked that was quite good is the family plan, which which is very nice. Not a lot of the other service that I know or that I use actually have something like that where you pay a little bit extra, but uh, you get access uh, Radio for does people. it. Radio oh, does radio. it, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, I'm a radio subscriber, and I think you pay an extra 30 bucks a month, 30 rand a month, um, and then you can a- add a family member. That's not bad. Yeah, Symphy yeah. that I use, Symphy Africa, the one that I use, yeah. uh, does, does not have that, which okay. is annoying. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, but coming to, coming to market quite late, I guess um, I guess the Apple um, users will will jump on board. Um, but it's also coming to Android. I suppose it had to, mm. and to mm. uh, and to Windows. Yeah, we've we have seen. Uh, it, you know, Apple is certainly take it, looking at the the, the competitor market and, and trying to entice those users to you know not make it as difficult for them to switch from from an Android platform or Windows platform to to. to 
to an iOS. Um, and that's uh, and specifically, I'm specifically referring to another feature that I saw um, that um, that's going to be launched with iOS 9 that allows people to easily migrate from an Android device. So if, if you look at the bigger picture, you can certainly see that uh, Apple is, yeah. um, they, they're not shying away from this. They, they're inviting uh, users from other platforms and they want them to, to make use of their, their services. I think uh, they, had, they had no real choice. I mean, this is, building a music streaming service is about building scale. And if they only brought it to the iPhone and yeah. the iPad, yeah. they wouldn't have been able to build that sort of scale that they, they needed. And I think they've got, a, they've got a good following for, for beats on other platforms as well. So, or, you know, they, they need to, you know, they can't just yeah. cut those users off. Uh, yeah, for sure. Beats will certainly come to an end uh, yeah. with, with uh, Apple Music. And this is the first time, uh, in fact, that um, Apple has developed an application for Android. Yeah, as as I know. actually. I think it's the first time, first app for Android that they've ever built. Um, I think you're right. Steve Jobs must be turning in his but uh, it wasn't all about music at WWDC this year. What were some of the other highlights that caught your attention? Um, uh, the, the new, uh, the new macOS update, uh, El Capitan. We, we, we both agree that we don't like the name Terrible very much. Name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's from the same mountain range as Yosemite, so you can almost see the extension there. Yeah. Um, but they, they, you know, that that's obviously going to be interesting. There's, they've they've improved some of the battery. Performance uh, f- for the operating system. Um, I think the you know they kind of just ironed out some of the kinks for for Yosemite. Not that there was many, um, but uh, prob- it's a minor. It's a minor update. It's a minor. For Mac 10, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, and iOS nine as well. It's just building on on the robust platform that iOS eight was. Yeah, exactly. With with a f- few nice features, and the, the one that that I think is going to be really great as an iPad user is mm. to be able to do split screen applications or to to at least slide your 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 application to one half of the screen so that you can multitask, whether mm. it's watching a mu- uh, watching a YouTube video and reading something on the side or doing a, a FaceTime call with a web page open. Uh, that could be quite a nice yeah. feature in practice. As an iPad user, that, that's a big drawback for me, only being able to yeah. have one thing on it your makes screen. Makes it more like time. a PC. Yeah, very mm. much so, very mm. much so. And, and the feature that's been... Been, that we've been wanting, or, or, or you know, Apple users have been wanting for a while. Mm. Um, it'll be and straight out of Windows, of course. I mean, yeah, of course. Snap, of snap, course. This idea of snapping Windows and stuff is straight out of Windows. It'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, what that does to battery life. Um, I know there's been a lot of battery optimization uh, add-ons with, within both these operating system mm. upgrades. Um, mm. So hopefully they'll equalize out any potential pitfalls with yeah. with multi. Although, although the battery life on the on the iPad is excellent. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. You can't I mean, fault it's it. quite amazing. Um, you know, if it knocks an hour off the battery life, who cares? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a few people on the internet will care. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you know, if you're on a, one of those long haul flights to New York or something, and you want to use your iPad the whole way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they they definitely. Uh, I've also read some or heard some chat online where people really say, or, or some of the the the, um, the journalists have really spoken about how how the battery improvement is really going to, to make a big difference with these new operating systems. And they really yeah. seem to have, um, they definitely seem to have gotten every bit of, uh, you know, row code out of, uh, out of the existing operating systems to, to optimize the battery life. Uh, so it'll be good to see that. Yeah. Just looking at it on your, on your screen there, it's a real mouthful, the name, isn't it? Mac OS 10, 10.11, El Capitan. <laughs> El Capitan, yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't roll off the tongue. Doesn't no. roll off the tongue. No, no, no. 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 But uh, when's it coming out? Uh, usual sort of. They said end of the month, uh, end of July, isn't it? Oh, is it that soon? Um, okay. Yeah, no, no, it was, okay. it's very soon. Let me okay. just have a look here. Yeah, I think it was end of July, yeah. yeah. The public beta in July and public availability in. Oh, sorry, public uh, fall, availability yeah. in fourth. That's so usually, yeah, so we were talking through a third quarter, probably. But for, for us early adopters, we'll definitely get it at the end of next month. So. Okay, you're going to install the beta? Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. I think okay. so. I have to. I have okay. to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I've realized that um, I'm pretty much running beta software on all my platforms these days. Not, not on my iPad, actually, but uh, on my desktop 
on my TV, uh, on my laptop, and running beta versions of Windows, beta versions of Office, etc. Yeah, et yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and um, and I think the public betas that they they're putting out now is pretty good, stable yeah. enough. Um, they're just using it to get feedback from a lot of users to to kind of mm. you know tweak the final final bits of the code before they push it out to mm. the broader audience. Mm. Cool. Well, that's Apple. Um, the other big, I mean, the, the big local story this week was uh, was Telcom. They announced their results on Monday. Their annual results didn't look too bad, actually. Um, the, the the big negative number was uh, well, two two negative numbers. One was the continued fall in the number of fixed lines in service, now down mm-hmm. to three point mm-hmm. four million. And also there was a big decline in uh, in voice minutes in revenues. Um, I forget the figure, but it was down in double digit percentages. Um, and and it's. Um, the headline we had on Tech Central was voice business ev- evaporating at uh, at Telcom, and it certainly is doing that. Um, but they've, uh, for the first time, over a million ADSL users. Um, it was a, a, a headline number that they had been aiming for about five years ago, mm. and finally got to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, with all the fiber that's being rolled out by competitors now, one wonders what, whether that growth is going to continue for much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that ADSL number is actually going to go into reverse at some point. Yeah, with all these suburbs, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of movement in the suburbs around the parks area. A lot of guys are, are now moving quickly to get yeah. fiber in. I think, yeah. I think that's going to be a massive challenge for, for telecom, especially in light of uh, yeah. the restructuring. And there's almost an announcement a day now. I mean, we saw Bryanston has announced, part of Bryanston has announced that they're going to be deploying. There's a new fiber to the home provider in Cape Town that we wrote about on Tech Central this mm, week mm. Um, in Seapoint um, in the Atlantic seaboard area. Um, Another open access fiber provider. Um, in fact, uh, I was chatting to Sipo um, Maseko, the group CEO of Telcom, after the results on Monday, and he said, according to Telcom's estimations, there are now 25 independent fiber to the or different fiber to the home vendors oh. now operating in South Africa. So the market is just exploding. That's awesome news. I mean, if if you think just two years ago where we were, now we, we it's, it's a reality. We have fiber coming to the home. Yeah. Um, but it, it should be quite worrying for telecom because they don't seem to have. I mean, even though they they, they made some noise early on in uh, you know in these suburbs deploying fire, but they don't seem to be um, no. doing as much in that space at the moment. I think people have it's, people are, are just opting to go with the other providers yeah. uh, right off the bat. They certainly are, are coming to market very slowly, and um, you know I think that there's a lot of distrust towards telecom out there. You see, there's a lot of these community initiatives coming coming to market, and they don't even consider telecom. You know, mm, even exactly. if telecom is interested in bidding, they just say, "Well, no, we want one of these other guys to do it." for us and that's largely because these people feel burned by telecom you know yes. uh, you know the reason why these suburbs are going to to fiber is uh, because telecom simply didn't come to the party with 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 ADSL specifically and i know parkist was uh, you know that's what they said is one of their their reasons for moving up simply yeah because uh, telecom didn't uh, didn't come to the party didn't there. come to the party early enough and yeah it's it's a it's a refrain we keep hearing about and slow adsl speeds copper problems and all the rest of it and uh, people are are um, nervous about yeah <laughs> contracting yeah. Telcom yeah. and it's a big problem they've got but um, tel- Telcom has got a whole lot of challenges of its own right now um, and uh, they, I think they're doing the right things mm. um, but it's it's probably taking their focus off uh, what they should be doing and that's uh, you know beating the competition they're inwardly fo- focused at the moment and uh, not surprisingly given that they've announced that they're going to um, reduce their workforce again by thousands of employees um, up to 7,800 Sure. Employees affected by the latest round of restructuring. No, th- those aren't, aren't the, that isn't the number that's going to be retrenched, but it's mm. the number that are going, potentially going to be affected by this latest round of restructuring, which is really going to affect their field services division for the first time. Um, and uh, th- th- those are the guys who uh, come to your house and install the lines, and the guys in their buckies you see at the yeah. at the local street corners. Street corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those those, go- those guys are going to be he- heavily affected by this latest round of restructuring. Um, but- no, so. I can I can imagine you know telecom obviously is, is a is a 
bloated organization from many years of, of not doing this kind of uh, restructuring. Um, and now when it needs to be a lean company, especially in light of the fact mm. that it's got stiff competition from fiber providers, um, it's a good thing for the long run, like you said, but uh, it's it's it it's, it's going to take a while before it's, it it's a lean enough organization to be competitive in the market that it's dominated for so many years. Yeah. It's amazing to see how small telecom is now relative to what it was before. I mean, back in the apartheid days, tel telecom was a place of shielded employment. Um, it <laughs> yeah, had over yeah. 70,000 employees back then. Wow. Today it's got 18,000. So from 70,000 to 18,000 over 20 years. Um, and, and, and it's still going to get smaller. I mean, it, it's probably going to drop below 10,000 at some point in the next few years. It's going to be interesting to see how, how that affects the, the deployment of, of services. I mean, obviously, the technicians, those guys rolling out mm. rolling out their services, not the guys installing it, but rolling out those services. I mean, if they are if they are curbed, so to speak, then it's going to be even more harmful to telecom's uh, footprint mm. uh, if you look at stuff like uh, uh, fiber to the home. Maybe that's where LTE could be, a, could be that... that the good thing for them because they don't probably don't need as many people on the ground. I mean, their towers would that's you know, true, yeah. need to set up towers. Yeah, but if they don't keep focusing on their fixed line market, it's going to get stolen from under them. Yeah, well, we're yeah. seeing that already. Let's yeah. be honest; it's I mean, already started. Yeah, and a lot of these fiber providers offering free four meg access, mm. and that's a no-brainer for anybody that's living in in one of those suburbs that get those. Five. Yeah. you know, they'll cancel their their ADSL because it costs yeah. you four hundred rand for a basic four meg service. Yeah, so. yeah. And they are pushing LTE, right? I mean, this this uh, promotion that they've got going on their website, which doesn't actually seem to have been that successful. If you go and look at the numbers of people mm. who've signed up for it, the five ninety nine. If you're an yeah. early adopter, have you had a look at that website since it went live? No, no, actually, I haven't. Um, it's uh, it's it, it doesn't seem to be selling that well. But they, they've limited it to only twenty nine base stations in in Johannesburg, in the Greater Johannesburg region. Um, I was I was kind of hoping to sign up for it, but um, uh, my local telecom LTE tower is not included in the list. Oh, geez, um, yeah, it's, it's a very limited promotion. Uh, um, they've obviously gone for the towers where they've got the least congestion at the mm. moment. Uh, That's unfortunately will always be the problem with with uh, technology mm. like LTE. I mean, mm. it, you simply can't compete again when you get fiber um, as, a, as a as a comparative technology. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, yeah. there is there is no comparison. Fiber mm. is the, mm. is the first prize if you can get it. Um, but uh, you know, if fiber is not coming, that LTE offer is actually pretty good, yeah, even yeah. with the um, the ca capping on the uh, on the BitTorrent traffic. Yeah, but I think a lot of those people that that want to use uh, don't use BitTorrent. Yeah, they yeah. want to use BitTorrent. Yeah. I mean, those guys that do would opt for the fiber option or have a VDSL or a very high ADSL. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, the other, other big news out of Telcom is that they're um, pushing ahead with these plans to split the company. Um, they're oh. calling it a deep functional separation of their wholesale uh, business from the rest of the operation, and they're really looking to create three separate businesses, enterprise, three three quite distinct cultures in in the enterprise or business division, uh, in the wholesale division and in the retail consumer division. Um, it's an interesting move, particularly the the wholesale split. I think it's um, mm. it's kind of reminiscent of what BT did with Open Reach. Um, perhaps more far-reaching, actually, uh, in that open reach is just the last mile part of BT's network. Mm. Um, whereas uh, Telcom's talking about the whole infrastructure, uh, wholesale infrastructure division, um, and then creating the separate company, you know, possibly even with a separate name that provides services on e equal and, and, and fair basis to. Uh, not just to telecom, but to all service providers in the market. Yeah, look, I think it could it, be game changing potentially. I think so too. Mm. I think it could be a good move for telecom, especially if they can compete uh, with each of these business units separately within mm. a, a very tight market already, like we've said. Mm. Um, and and it, it just could just give them the opportunity to um, to do things that a, a larger telecom corporation couldn't have done as a single entity. Yes. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, when I was chatting to him, he, he, uh, the CEO, uh, Sipo Maseko, he made the specific comment he made, which I thought was very, very interesting. He says, they no, want to, no longer want to be a vertically integrated operator, hmm. which is exactly the model that Vodacom is pursuing, mm. and MTN mm. for that matter as well. Um, so it's, it's a, they actually want to fundamentally change the way they operate. They don't want to be this big behemoth operator that they were in the past. They want to really break this thing down into its component parts and they think that the, by doing that, the, the sum of the parts is going to be greater than the whole. Yeah. Um, um, interesting strategy. Um, only time will tell if it works, but um, it looks right on paper. Yeah, I don't think they had many other options. Um, a company like Telcom, obviously, you know, you know with all these fiber players, come, fiber players and LTE players come to the market or mobile players, um, they had to do something drastic mm. uh, you know, to survive. And, and this seems to be yeah. a reaction to that. Yeah, it was a matter of survival. You're right. It was, um, you know, Telcom's share price was starting to be priced for bankruptcy two years ago. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's gone up fivefold and since then under this management team so they must be doing something right um, it's painful for workers though um, a lot of people are mm. going to be out in the streets which is really unfortunate yeah yeah. but um, I think in the longer term this restructuring as painful as it is is, is something a Telcom is going to have to go through needs to do yeah mm. definitely cool um, did you see the interesting news this week about um, Blackberry uh, possibly building an Android smartphone there was a report on Reuters yesterday yeah, and I think that's, again, a nice segue from the talking to It's another uh, strategy for survival. They have to. I mean, we, we know BlackBerry's been, you know, going further down that rabbit hole, mm. uh, you know, every year, so to speak. So. The suggestion by Reuters that, that um, you know, uh, I mean, there were signs of, of, of a potential turnaround happening under the CEO, John Chen. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it, the market hasn't really been set alight by the BlackBerry 10 OS, has it? No, no, it hasn't. The lack of apps, even though it's kind of integrated with Android through the Amazon store, it's not really, it's not really taken off. It's, it certainly hasn't gotten consumers' attention in the way that the BlackBerry Curve-type devices that were running on um, BIS got. Yeah. Well, there was a financial benefit for people running or for yeah. using BlackBerry. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that differentiator is gone, I mean, the platform itself isn't strong enough. They got some interesting devices, but that's based on, on people's legacy preferences mm. of having a keyboard, really. Mm. The platform the platform isn't isn't as strong as what it used to be. It, mm. it, it can't stand up against the likes of iOS and Android. Um, even Windows... Um, has had to change its strategy completely for its mobile devices, mm. really. Um, What's interesting uh, is the speculation that this new phone, it's, which is apparently going to come out later this year, according to Reuters, um, is going to be a keyboard and touch device. Um, and there are, there are a distinct lack of those in the Android world. Mm, mm. So maybe they're going to hit a niche with the product. People, Android users who want a keyboard. Yeah, yeah. And let, let's be honest, I mean, BlackBerry's hardware is, a lot of people love it. And, mm. uh, you know, I can understand why. And then a lot of people still use BlackBerry for that reason. But if they can then just change the operating system slightly or at least allow deeper um, Android integration, mm. that could be that um, that missing link mm. um, that'll actually make people, you know, obviously enjoy the, using the operating system or mm. because they feel you know, part of, of a broader community. If their mm. friends say, look what I've got on my Android device, mm. BlackBerry user can potentially then also say, yeah, I've, I can also get that app. Mm. It's, it's a move that they probably should have done uh, a, a while ago. Yeah, the suggestion that, that um, one of the reasons, perhaps, perhaps the main reason they're doing it is the new BlackBerry Enterprise Server 12, Bears 12, is being pitched not just as a um, platform for managing BlackBerry devices anymore, but as a platform for managing all the devices in an organization. Mm. So Windows, phone, a Android, iOS, um, really as an IT tool for managing the whole range of 
um, what they, I guess, what they call bring your own device devices yeah, into, yeah. into the workplace. Um, and uh, uh, you know, um, in, in line with that, maybe it's um, it's it's a way of them showing you know, well, this is how good we are at managing Android, and actually we've got an Android device that works brilliantly with our Bez 12 server. Uh, IT departments, you know, if your users want to get an Android device, yeah, buy this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's so, actually a good point. I think because uh, we know that the BIS server has services as you know, in its heyday, was you know, a very important part to some businesses. I mean, it allowed them to do a lot of things that mm. you weren't able to do with your device, lock it down or manage manage what was on it. Yeah, um, within an organization. Yeah, I, I, I think enterprises got a bit. Um, Annoyed after a while, though, about the the, the bears fees they had to pay each year to mm-hmm. to keep this thing running, and I think a lot of companies have actually ditched their bears servers um, because you know in this day and age, do you really actually need one? Um, it was really built as an email management platform for enterprises. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more than that now, but um, you know it's it's a, an attempt by BlackBerry to I guess reinvigorate that the BlackBerry Enterprise Server brand and get corporates interested in again. Whether it's coming too late or not, I'm not sure. You know, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, is it too late? Uh, you know, iOS and Android so strong already. If people, you know, yeah. that 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 business play that they've got is is I guess a small but very lucrative part of it potentially. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, the BlackBerry device, if if the operating system doesn't doesn't step up um, and really open itself up to a broader, you know, the Android community or, or one of those, um, mm. it is doomed for sure, without a doubt. Yeah. All right, I wanted to chat a bit about um, 4K monitors. I've, um, the, re- the reason I want to chat about and maybe even solicit some feedback from our listeners is um, you know, I've been giving some thought to getting one um, over the last little while. I actually, the first time I looked at this was about six months ago, and the prices were completely out of kilter, and it wasn't an option. But in that time, the prices have probably come down by 50% or more, hmm. and they seem to be falling on a monthly basis quite dramatically. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd probably be... Probably be be, be better off not buying one right now and waiting 12 months to see what happens but um, as with all technology you want it now not next year <laughs> <laughs> instant gratification exactly and um, you know having been spoiled with the retina display on, on the MacBook um, the uh, um, idea of getting a 4K desktop monitor really appeals to me and um, you know there's a range of sizes I, I think the smallest I've seen is around 27 inches but um, a, a, a size that seems to be coming fairly standard for these 4K 4K desktop monitors is wait for it 40 inch Ugh. Um, and I thought, geez, that's huge. That's the size that's of nice. a that's the size of a flat panel TV at the sort of entry level. Um, Can I give you square eyes, don't uh, <laughs> um, But uh, you know, forty forty inch four uh, K monitor on your desktop. Then mm. I gave it a bit of thought. And I thought, you know, that actually might work quite nicely, especially at that resolution. Yeah, if the DPI is is, is small enough or low enough or high enough, you uh, you want to put it. Uh, if, if you don't see those pixels, I mean, you could really get a lot of benefit from having a large mm. screen that you can, uh, you know, put various elements on mm. various desktops, so mm. to speak. But uh, yeah, I've been looking at on Amazon at some of the products that are available there, and the prices have dropped for the forty inch versions. They've dropped below a thousand dollars now for the first time. Um, I was having a look at a, a beautiful Philips monitor. I think it was about eight hundred and eighty dollars or something. Sure. Um, it's pricey. I mean, at the twelve fifty to the dollar, it's working out at over ten thousand rand before mm, taxes. Yeah. So it's, it's still very expensive. Um, but a year from now, that's probably going to be down to six thousand rand, five thousand rand, and at that sort of level, I think it starts to become a, a real option. Certainly justified, yeah. Um, Especially if if you if you are in an industry or in a, uh, you do a job where 
you're looking at your screen all day long, but you have various uh, screens you need to interact with, yeah. various websites you need to have open. Yeah. Uh, you know, stock traders, for example, I think they could benefit oh, yeah. hugely. Uh, just plugging in your MacBook into or, or any capable Mac, uh, a laptop into a, a 4K yeah. monitor, I think the benefits are, are huge. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you need high-end hardware to power one of these things. Yeah. Uh, 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 MacBooks, I think, do power them, but only at 30 hertz. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's certainly the case with the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Mm. Um, uh, if you want to do this properly, you're going to need a high-end graphics card that can output. I think it's best done via Display Port. Uh, yes, yes. A modern graphics card uh, that can just dis- that can output through Display Port at um, 60 hertz. Mm. Um, so you know, it's a, it's a limited niche market for now. Um, your average um, cubicle dweller is not going to be getting one for a few years yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. um, but um, yeah, if you if you have a lot of windows open on your desktop, um, I think it's a definite option. Um, and you could, of course, still plug in uh, additional monitors around it. I mean, I've got a three three monitor set up on my desk, three 1080p monitors. And if I were to get one of these things, uh, I'd probably still keep the 24-inch 1080p monitors on the side, two, yeah. on, two one on each side. And have the the monster in the middle. A virtual cockpit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you can Ga- game, gaming, again, yeah. gaming actually is a great application for this. Um, if your graphics card is high, high, high end enough, and I think you really you probably need a GTX uh, 980 or higher to, yeah. to 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 do do 4K gaming. But uh, you know that's the next frontier. But high end gamers or, or gaming has always pushed the boundaries of technology. And then the early adopters. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if the early adopters for 4K monitors would be uh, video guys and gamers, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Um, video guys less so because you know, the, it'll probably be only be professionals. It's not really a consumer thing where you would have a DSLR that shoots video uh, or something at 4K and then buy one of these just so you can well, It's you coming. Know, I mean, it. smartphones can shoot in 4K now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, as a as a editor, the, I think that the money is still it's it's still too expensive to yeah. invest in that. Yeah. Where as a gamer or as a as a high end uh, techie, yeah. uh, you know, you'll probably justify it because you're an mm. early adopter. Yeah, exactly. If you if you're a video editor, if you work, you know, if you do production for multi choice or something, mm. then you definitely want to have a 4K monitor um, just yeah, to future proof yeah. it. But, oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, but, but, yeah, because you're probably going to be shooting in 4K raw anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is a difficult justification at this stage, uh, given the prices and given the tanking rand. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but the prices have come down substantially. And I suspect by the end of this year or by, by the middle of next year at the latest, um, these 4K monitors, even at the 40-inch size, are going to be moving into the affordable category for yeah. most high-end consumers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then you were saying earlier about, about Retina. Uh, since anybody that's used Retina display you knows can't you can't go back to anything. You know, Switching between Retina and non-Retina is, is horrible, especially if you're doing any type of graphics work because yeah. you, you can clearly see the... Um, you know the difference. Yeah. You know in the in the DPI. Yeah, um, yeah. It's such a it's such a nice experience to have such high resolution. Um, and Apple's done a great job of it. Of um, you know of, of I don't know what the correct word is formatting their operating system for 4K. Mm, so mm. if you fire up a browser, it's not going to be tiny on the screen because they they're aware that you want to see this at a certain size. Yeah. Um, yeah. Windows I don't think has done such a good job of it uh, yet. No. Uh, Windows 10 I haven't tested on a 4K monitor, uh, but certainly previous versions of Windows. Um, not great for not great on 4K. I presume they've it's something they've worked on in Windows 10. Although I can't vouch for that, not yeah. having tested it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, to give us your feedback, um, I'd be keen to anyone here listening to this podcast uh, actually using a 4K monitor. 
Uh, what did you get? Uh, why did you get it? Um, but we'd be very keen to. Oh, what do you to use know. it for? What is your main main application for it? I'd be yeah. interested in hearing that. Is Indeed. it gaming? Is it video? Or do you just like to have the DPI and uh, shuffle your windows around without losing real estate? Yeah, yeah. Or you're a, a billionaire who just has to have the the latest Lamborghini <laughs> and whatever the latest tech is. <laughs> Makes Facebook look good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can use the email address info at uh, techcentral.co.za. Cool. I think that's the news and other bits. Um, winner this week. I thought I'd pick uh, Standard Bank. Um, yeah, it's an unusual yeah. pick. Um, I think when it comes to tech, people usually think uh, FMB. But Standard Bank has actually been doing some cool stuff lately, hasn't it? Mm, they've been trying to push the boundary. I think they're also trying to get one up on, on, on FMB, who's really driven a lot of these, these technical technology yeah. announcements. Yeah. Um, but announcing this week that uh, they're working on, not quite ready for release yet, but they're working on a on an app for the Apple Watch, uh, which is quite interesting since the Apple Watch hasn't even gone on sale in South yeah, Africa yet. Yeah. But um, they've got a beta version, uh, well, an internal testing version, I should say, um, that they're working on. Uh, they're working with an internal group of, of pilot users, um, and they're looking to release it later this year, um, which makes one wonder whether they've got insight from Apple on when the Apple Watch is coming to South Africa. Yeah, or the CTO just got one early and they wanted to do something cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do very much at the moment. It's just like, you have a look at your watch to check your bank balance. Um, it's got some security built into it so that, you know, not anyone can just grab your watch and check your bank yeah, balance. Yeah. Um, but they're going to build more functionality and they're going to bring it to Android Wear as well later this year. Oh, that's very cool. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, how many people would actually want this on their watch but uh, you know um, I think it's important for these banks to be seen to be innovating yeah, yeah. and they're doing that here for the for, for sure and uh, of course it comes just a few months after they announced that they were debuting touch ID banking uh, on their uh, smartphone banking app so Apple users that can, is a cool announcement can just log in uh, yeah. and do their banking with their fingerprint yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the first time a bank here in South Africa has done that and they beat F&B to market uh, I don't think F&B has launched anything along those lines yet. I don't think any of the banks have no. done. None of them have done It's only Standard Bank, yeah. ID. Um, and they've also said at the time of that launch that they're looking to bring it to Android devices as well this year. So some cool stuff actually coming out of um, out of their um, tech department at Standard yeah, Bank. So yeah. they're, our, they're our winner this week. Um, our loser this week, um, I guess it's uh, uh, a bit of a no-brainer as to is telecom, telecom employees who are going to be affected by the latest round of restructuring. It must be awful to work there, mm. um, having this axe over your head all the time. Um, but um, it is a much-needed restructuring that telecom's embarking on. But uh, unfortunate side effect is uh, people are unfortunately going to lose their jobs or are going to have to reskill. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, so our loser this week are the telecom employees affected by the latest round of restructuring. What's your uh, pick this week, Richard? So I've come, I've as a Mac user for the last probably year uh, on a full-time basis, one of the things that I miss from a Windows machine is getting um, status monitor in your taskbar or something that indicates CPU performance, memory performance, uh, um, download speeds, upload speeds, all those kind of things. Now there's very, there are a lot of utilities that give you that functionality in macOS, but the one that I found that, that kind of integrates all of them is a, is a little app called iStat Menus. Um, iStat Menus 5 is the latest version. Um, and what this little application does is once you install it and you can see it, Duncan, it, it yeah. puts a little uh, in your in your taskbar on top, it puts a, a few elements, and then you can obviously toggle these on and off. Um, there's battery, there's CPU, there's SS, uh, your SSD, memory, uh, your network card, um, and then the various sensors that tells you the temperature and fan speed and those kind of things. But it's a, it's a really beautiful application because it mm. allows you to 
for a, for any techie to dive into the system performance mm. um, of your notebook, of your MacBook, um, even things like your Wi-Fi, you can see how long your computer's been on for. You can see how many cycles the battery's been charged on. Um, you can see your current memory usage, which Very applications nice. are using how much memory. Uh, you can see my Photoshop is sitting on seven gig. I've obviously got some big files open wow. at the moment. <laughs> But it's really handy. It's, it's see Chrome is using three and a half gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, I probably have thirty tabs open <laughs> at the moment. Um, but it's for this reason. I mean, I've never really had a performance problem with this with this MacBook. Um, but it's nice to know where your system performance is going. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially when you're looking at CPU performance and, and obviously network network speeds, download and upload speeds. I find that incredibly useful when I'm trying to monitor um, why you know why my FTP upload isn't mm. doing so well. Mm. Um, it's it's a really cool little utility. That's great. I want to um, grab that. Is it free? It, there's a free version, free trial for 14 days. I actually bought it this morning. It's 18, dollars oh, but it's well worth. It's mm. well worth. It's uh, well worth. Mm. If 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 you are a tech user and you you'd like to know what your computer is doing, um, I switch a lot between Photoshop and Adobe Premiere. Um, so so. You know, again, it's nice to know if I need to close some other applications mm. if, if my system is performing a bit slowly. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a very cool application. I'd highly recommend it. Is uh, that the temperature of your CPU over there? Yeah, so at the moment it's it's 45 degrees. Um, and I can also see what the airflow, you know, airflow proximity, oh, wow. what the That's battery... That's amazing. I mean, it's incredible that the MacBook's <laughs> got all these sensors in already. Yeah. It's just, it's just allows you to there. pick it up. So yeah. you've got thermometers on every device, basically, inside the room. <laughs> yeah. GPO die, the digital temperature, 44 degrees. Wow. Um, there was That's some, remarkable. Um, on the battery side, it also gives you some interesting battery insights. Uh, you know, cycle count, like I said... Um, which is quite cool. So you can see how many times I've done a full recharge on this, mm. which is seventy-six times, which mm. is which is pretty interesting. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, iStat menus five. I'm sure there's a few other features I haven't even discovered yet, but the, it looks really nice. It's very, very cool. slick. That's um, very. That's great. If you've got a if you've got a Mac, just get it. It looks awesome. And historical data too. Don't forget that. So it'll give you historical data for the last twenty-four hours. Oh, brilliant. I mean, even so stuff it's free for two weeks. It's free for two weeks, yeah. Um, and what's nice is, obviously, if you install it today, it'll still you'll pick up your historical data from the moment you switch on your, your machine for the mm. first time. It, that obviously gets recorded mm. somewhere within the operating system. Mm. And once you've got a license, can you run it on any machine? Uh, yeah, there's a license key with it, so it'll obviously activate uh, on that machine. Okay. Um, but I, I'm sure you can run it on, on two devices without yeah. too much hassle. Yeah. I haven't tried that yet. Okay. Um, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Cool. My pick this week is uh, the rather rudely named Escom <laughs> 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 So Push. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I, I had to pick it though. It's it's the best load shedding app I've used. Um, you're using it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Love it's it. really well designed. Um, it, uh, it it looks beautiful and um, it's 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 really well done. You put in your area, or you can have more than one area if you want. Um, it'll then alert you when the next load shedding is likely to take place um, mm. with a countdown clock. So that you you know when exactly to go and switch off all your appliances, etc. Uh, and um, it, it tells you it gives you an, a, a, an alert when load shedding uh, is going to start, when it actually does start, and when it stops, or if there's a change in the um, in the uh, load shedding stage from one or two to three or four. Um, it's a really 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 cool little app. It's called Escom Push, and it's available for a whole range of platforms. I know it's on Android and iOS for yeah, sure. I'm not yeah. sure about Windows Phone, but it's certainly available for Android and iOS, and that's most of the market. Um, really, really cool little it's application. It's a nice forecast feature as well, so you can see the next few days. It does, indeed. Yeah. It looks like a little weather app for, for load shedding. 
It's a nice app until you find out you actually are being load shed, and then you you're not so so happy about yes. the notification. There we go. I'm just looking at uh, Rafael's iPhone here, and it says he's got four hours and five minutes until he gets load shed. Uh, his area gets load shed. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna have a dark evening. Yeah, I'll have to go after takeouts. <laughs> So go check it out. Um, Eskom Sapush. It's available in uh, the various um, app stores. Also wins award for the best app name. Yes. South Africa. It's <laughs> very good though. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't uh, had to change their name yet because of the use of the name Eskom in their title. Uh, there was another um, load shedding app. I forget, forget what it was called exactly, but it also had Eskom in the title and they were forced to change their name. Yeah, maybe because it's one word um, and, and I, don't, yeah, I don't know if the Apple moderators would actually pick that up unless Eskom actually complains about it. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised Eskom hasn't. Mm. If they, maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe we just uh, alerted them to the fact that this app exists, and oh we take them down in a. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyway, on that note, um, I think that's, uh, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, as always, uh, if you've got any feedback on the show, and uh, please, if you uh, want to chat to us about 4K monitors, we'd love to hear from you. Use the email address info at techcentral.ca.za. Uh, until next time, from Rechad and myself, have a great weekend and cheers. Ciao, ciao. Thank you.